Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh... Not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. It is a Tuesday morning in late January. Super Bowl week is upon us. We'll certainly get to plenty of Super Bowl stuff later in the week when we devote a full pod to the big game. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You can find him and all of his gambling picks at Showtime Cappers. Matt, how are we doing? Greg, what's going on? We're doing great. It's the big week, Super Bowl week. But like you said, we're going to get to that later in the week. And there's... Let me tell you, Greg, there's a lot of spots uh, to be for money to be made during the week leading up to the Super Bowl, you know, and then we can double up this weekend on the on the big game. Exactly. And so obviously in our midweek pod, we like to look at games going on the night that we are recording. And so this is a Tuesday morning record, January the 28th. So that's what we're looking at. We're going around the NBA. We're going to touch on some NHL. Uh, college basketball as well, and I even have a few plays on the tennis court down under in Australia. So let's get right to it and start with the National Basketball Association. And I want to start on the East Coast, and we'll uh, work our way chronologically through these uh, as far as tip-off time. Uh, And I actually want to start with a game that really is not that attractive to the average basketball fan for obvious reasons, but... I like the Charlotte Hornets, minus one, minus one and a half. You can get them at at home against the New York Knicks. Uh, I uh, would venture a guess and say that almost every sportsbook had the Charlotte Hornets as the lowest win total of the NBA season coming into the year. And I would, you know, obviously pretty much every book 
is going to not that anybody really uh, I mean maybe some people did but I doubt a lot that a lot of people bet the Hornets over their win total but here we are 46 games in for the Hornets and they're 15 and 31 so their win total was about 22 and a half 23 23 and a half somewhere in there and they're going to go over that they should by say the middle of March you know give them 6 weeks to win another 8 9 games and I looked into this and I was like, well, gosh, it really feels like they were supposed to be the worst team in the NBA without Kemba Walker uh, because they weren't very good with him. So how are they winning this many games? And the more I realized it, the more I was like, well, they must be doing well in these games against bottom feeders, against lottery teams, because they're obviously not beating playoff teams. And sure enough, I looked at it. And I went through their schedule, and I found every single game that the Hornets have played this season against a team that, as of January 28th, is not in the Eastern Conference playoffs. There's 12 of those games, and in those 12 games, the Hornets are 8-4 and four straight up, and an even more impressive 10-2 against the spread. So, simply put, when you have two bad teams playing, you're always going to look for the team that wants to win more and wants and isn't thinking about the ping pong balls. And the Hornets have proven time and time again that they do want to play hard and they do want to win these games. And at this short of a number, I have to like the Hornets for my first pick. Matt, any thoughts? Um, <clears throat> no offense, Greg. My thoughts are that you just spent way too much time talking about possibly the worst game on the NBA season. <laughs> hey, all no, tickets cash the, cash the same. No, no RJ next too. That was my next statement. All tickets cash the same. And I like your breakdown here of the Hornets of why they are sitting at 15 and 31 and how they are sitting at 15 and 31. And if you are accurate, which it sounds like you are, this would be a great spot to take the Hornets because that means that these are the games all season long that they have been winning. Yeah. So there, there's no pushback from me there, Greg. My parlay of the day actually sure. comes on the hardwood today. It's real simple. We know what we've been doing with these. Been taking three or four teams that we think are going to win. High favorites, put them together in a parlay, bring them down to, clo to close to around even or plus odds. Unfortunately, this one is minus 120 odds today and four teams, but we're paying for what we get. We have the Philadelphia 76ers at home against the Warriors, Greg. We have the Raptors at home against the Hawks. Two of the top teams in the East against two of the worst teams in the NBA. You can wrap those up. They're both going to get catch a dub there. You got the Bucks at home, the best team in the NBA, against another bottom feeder team in the Wizards. You can wrap that up. And to close out the parlay for the fourth team, what you could say maybe is the closest gamble, <clears throat> if you're going to count the other three as wins, would be the Mavericks at home, minus seven points against the Suns, another top team in the West, going up against another bottom team. These are four teams. I don't know about the numbers, but I know for a fact they all went out right, and our parlay of the day will cash today, Greg. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously hard to really argue with the first three. I do think that the Suns are going to give the Mavericks a game. Uh, and actually, I'll, I'll just get right into it then. That's my next pick. I do like the Suns plus the seven and a half. Um, actually, I had one pick that goes off half an hour before. But since you had Phoenix and, Mav and Dallas in your parlay, I'll talk about that. Um, Dallas is on a back-to-back. -back. Granted, not much travel. Just going, they were in Oklahoma City last night. And now they're just back in Dallas. Um, but, I mean, obviously I'm taking the points here, so I'm not really looking for the outright win. Uh, Phoenix 10-5 and five against the spread as a road underdog. Uh, and I think that's kind of relevant because, uh, you know, we see this is one thing I've talked about a couple times in on the NBA pod uh, or the NBA parts of the pod. I like to get these playoff fringe teams throughout the regular season when they're in these kinds of spots, normally they're solid underdogs because, you know, they, they get up for these games and it gets a chance to prove themselves against playoff teams. And that's the Suns. They're three games out of the Western conference playoffs right now. They got to make a move pretty soon. They still got to jump like three teams. Um, last six games for Dallas have all been decided by 10 or less. 
and I'm getting seven and a half here. So I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, and as I said, back to back for Dallas, uh, Phoenix, obviously a team in a, a, a nearly dire situation if they're going to play in the playoffs. I like to get those teams earlier rather than later. Uh, so that's just the only game I'll comment on specifically, man. I mean, you did mention it. You said that, you know, with your parlay, that this is the one that obviously, uh, poses the biggest risk. And I think you'll probably still be fine as far as the uh, outright win, but I do think this game could be close. And so I'm going to take the seven and a half. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I mean, with the back to back, I understand. Um, I mean, the Mavericks have been playing great basketball. I honestly can't back the Suns here, but seven and a half is a lot. And like I did say, if there is one, it would be this one that potentially could be close. So I don't hate it, but personally, I, I have the Mavericks in a parlay. Um, so I hope we both win, Greg. I really do. There you go. Uh, my final NBA play that I'm looking at is going to be a game in Memphis, and that's the Nuggets traveling to play the Grizzlies and I'm looking to the total. The Nuggets are a short underdog in this game, actually, at one and a half, total of 225. Uh, but I'm looking to the total, and uh, I like it under. Um, I, I think Matt and I have both discussed at length how important it is to check the injury reports before you place your bets in the NBA because we all know teams with load management nowadays and you know, just in general, here we have a team like the Nuggets that's going to be in the playoffs. They're going to take it easy with certain players and not rush them back. And sure enough, uh, this first opened my eyes last week when I saw the Nuggets were almost doubled, getting almost doubles in Houston. They were a nine-point underdog, and I just was like, oh, they must have certain injuries. Sometimes you can just tell by looking at the line. And sure enough, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Mason Plumley all out. Last week, uh, Gary Harris was out a little bit for Denver as well. He since returned. But my angle here is to play this under because we know that Denver is one of the best under teams in the NBA. They're actually the third best under record at 26 and 20 going under the total. And without those three players, particularly Millsap and Murray, I think it just further emphasizes that Denver needs to play a slower game and try and muck it up and grind you down and, you know, say, all right, first to 110 wins or something like that, maybe not even 110. Uh, three of Denver's last four games have gone under, so I think that is kind of supported in the trends. And it, that's really all there is to it. When you're down players, you have to try and win ugly. Uh, I was on this under against New Orleans, with uh, on Friday night, 113-106, Denver wins. Game stays under by 10 points. I, total was 229-230, so comfortable under. Uh, and, and so it's a similar handicap, Matt, for me here on this Nuggets game. Yeah, uh, I would lean the Grizzlies here, although I do not have a play on this game. But, you know, like you said, based on the injuries to Denver – Based on some early line movement, you know, I see majority of the tickets on Denver, although we know the line is moving the other way. And, you know, Memphis is now minus one and a half at home. However, in the NBA, it is tough for me at this time in the NBA to continue to back the so-called bottom feeder teams. And let me tell you why, Greg. I start, as the season winds down, I start to pick and choose my spots. Well, Memphis spots. isn't a bottom feeder, if that's what you're getting at. You know, I, I, Memphis is not necessarily a bottom feeder, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify Memphis as, as a good team or a team in the hunt. They're a very middle-of-the-pack team. They're probably a couple years away. Would you not agree? You know, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. They've been red hot the last month or so, and I think right now they're in the last playoff spot. Yeah, they are. So I think they definitely could. I think ultimately the Spurs will catch them for the AC, but I mean, if the Grizzlies make it at this point, I won't be surprised. I guess I, I you know, I, I guess they would fall into that eighth seed. That eighth seed to me is pretty much the pick of the. It, 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 it's the best of the worst, right? None of those teams stand a chance, and 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, all all the teams fighting for the A seed have a losing record. You know, I mean, there, there's clearly sure. a distinction yeah. between the yeah, A seed. And, and particularly looking at that race, San Antonio and Portland have been two of the more disappointing teams in the first half of the year. They're obviously in the running for that spot, but you expected more out of them. Exactly. So what I'm kind of getting at is, yeah, the Grizzlies are 22 and 24 standing at the eighth spot, but they're kind of only at the eighth spot by default, like you just said. The the, 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 the Trailblazers are significantly underperforming. The Spurs are underperforming. The, 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 the Timberwolves are underperforming on what we thought. The Pelicans, obviously, now Kings that Zion, too, kind of. maybe the Kings. So, realistically, in my the Grizzlies are kind of just there by default. You know, Matt, I will say, though, the one thing that I, you know, to kind of disagree with what you're getting at, I think the longer this goes on, you know, and I, and I talked about the Suns, too, they're in this. I think teams like that that have less expectations get more dangerous because they can just go out there with nothing to lose. The pressure is going to ramp up on San Antonio and Portland here because they're the ones that we're underachieving. So I think Memphis and Phoenix, those kinds of teams, you know, if we start getting into, you know, say a month from now and the standings are similar, then again, I think they go out with nothing to lose. I don't sure, but this was going back to this game and right and what I was getting at is essentially. If you want to say who is this game more important to, obviously it's a regular season game in January, so it's not that important. But if we wanted to toss it up, chop it up, it's more important to the Nuggets, in my opinion, because they're battling for anywhere from the two to the five seed, as opposed to we know what the Glorieslies are. They might sneak in as the eighth seed and probably lose in four or five games to, to the Lakers as the one seed or whoever the one seed might be, or they'll miss the playoffs as the nine seed. So essentially what I was trying to say was that a game like this does mean a little more to the Nuggets than most people would think. However, when you're down as many players as the Nuggets might be tonight, you know, that always makes it tough. But as I said, I would lean the Grizzlies, but no play here. I don't have any official straight plays on the NBA hardwood, but I have one very, very strong lean, and that's the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA, 9-1 and one against the spread, when they're playing an opponent and they have an extra day or two of rest. So when they have rest advantage— and they are prepared for the game. They are 9-1 and one against the spread. That is the best in the NBA, Greg. Obviously, we know how great the Heat are at home. So this will be a tough task for a Celtics team. But I do believe that the Celtics come into this game rested and prepared. And, and this is a big game but for both teams. You know, 8 p.m., Eastern time, prime time, TNT. This is a big time game, so I decided to lay off. However, if I had to bet this game, I would bet the Celtics on the money line. I think they can pull this one out in Miami. Yeah, I, I like that look. I mean, this is it's a big game. I, I mean, gosh, we're getting close to the All Star break, and you know it's going to be crunch time. In Games the are starting to matter, Greg. Soon. So right, exactly. So uh, I, I think uh, no, no, nothing against the Heat. What they've done so far has been pretty impressive, but. Yeah, I, I think uh, the Celtics would be my lean there as well. Matt, nothing else in the NBA? That Those are my three picks that I just gave out. Nothing else in the NBA. However, I'm excited to watch another night of Zion because, you know, he, he's just been doing some great things in his few games on the court. And I just yeah, can't and, and continue to keep it up. favorite in Cleveland. I actually looked at that game uh, with Cleveland on a back-to-back, and the Cavs just got a nice win last night in Detroit. But eight points is just too steep. For me to yeah, uh, that's a lot of points. Did you think about Pelicans. the Pelicans in your parlay? Uh no, I, I there was no thought in my mind about the Pelicans in the parlay with the other four teams just being as safe as it gets. I mean, we we, I, we really were gifted with four games in the parlay today. Like I said, the Mavericks was the only questionable one, but it checks all the boxes. All four teams are home for me. All four teams are 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 are, are big spreads over seven points. And when we put them all together, it comes down to minus 120. That was good enough for me. This is a free parlay, Greg. I'm really confident in this parlay of the day. Let's keep things moving and go to the college hardwood where, talk about crunch time, well, we're about to enter the final month of the regular season in college basketball. 
Uh, Matt, I'll let you lead things off. What do you like first in college basketball on this Tuesday? Yeah, so the first play I went to was Clemson on the first half, Greg. Okay. Uh, Minus one at home against Syracuse. This is actually a two-unit play for for my guys. I gave this out for free on my Twitter. I really like this play. I understand Syracuse is coming in, playing great basketball, 5-0 Five and zero straight up last five. Five and zero against the spread last five. But Greg, this is a road game for Syracuse, and I understand they performed on the road as of late. However, I really just think Clemson can step up to the test here. When Duke came to town, ten and a half point favorites, we saw Clemson step up to the yeah. test. And I think I really think that Clemson. I understand that this is not the Duke team. This is not a top ten team. But Syracuse is playing like a top team, and this is orange versus orange. Greg, I really like Clemson at home to come out hot and lead at the end of the half. Yeah, it's a good look. Uh, I would lean that way. I don't have anything on this game, but um, obviously you got two teams in the ACC that are trying to find their way. And yeah, that Duke game is pretty telling about Clemson and, and what they might come out emotionally at home. So, I mean, yeah, Greg Clemson also is plus seven points on the first half margin this year, as opposed to minus six. So you can really see on the road. So you can really see the home and road splits in the first half margin of victory for them. I mean, I mean, it's tremendous. And you can see the same thing for Syracuse. You can see the same thing for a lot of these teams. Syracuse is plus eight and a half at home on the road. They're only, they're only plus 0.7 points. So I'm going to take the Clemson team that is winning at half by an average of seven points. And one other thing on this, um, and I don't have anything to back this, like statistically, I'd be curious the trends on this, but just something that popped into my mind right now, looking at this matchup. Obviously, in football, we know that Clemson would dominate Syracuse, but it would it has probably been the other way around since Syracuse joined the ACC in basketball. So, anytime you have opportunities like this, where you know, and I know that you know some of the kids are are new to the program, and so they haven't necessarily been through it I again I don't know the past history off the top of my head between these two schools but I just have to think that the blue blood basketball program in Syracuse probably has beaten up on a team like Clemson so when they get an opportunity like this um, you would think that their upperclassmen are ready to seize yeah no I I agree here Greg and and like I said you know I specifically zoned it on the first half here I I really like the angle here and I think Clemson comes out hot and I do however think that Clemson wins this game I want to stay in the ACC and I'm going to go a little bit north of Clemson and go to Charlottesville Virginia and I do like the Virginia Cavaliers at Pickham against Florida State this just looks pretty trappy to me right I mean you have a Florida State team that uh, is one of the few reliable teams in the ACC. But just as I say that, you look at some of Florida State's recent games, kind of sliding by uh, against Notre Dame. They only won by one. They needed overtime against Miami. So I don't think that Florida State is playing its best basketball right now. And then when we look at Virginia, I mean, it's weird to talk about the national champs as a bubble team, but that is where we are. And I like to get, as I said, bubble teams a little earlier because I do think there's a little bit of a tax in February and at Pickham, as I said, this certainly looks pretty trappy and let's go back to when these teams played in Tallahassee, it wasn't that long ago, two weeks ago, January 15th. Final score was 54-50, Florida State won. So what's that tell me? That this game was played on Virginia's terms. Because when you look at Florida State's wins, a lot of them are anywhere from 65 to 80 points that Florida State's scoring, even in those two games that I mentioned where they struggled against Notre Dame and Miami. 85 in regulation against Notre Dame and 83 in overtime against Miami. So the fact that Virginia was able to go to Tallahassee and keep this game low scoring makes me think that they're pretty confident that they can play at their pace, which obviously isn't fun to watch, but I do think they can win the game. 
and pick up a big resume win. I like the Cavaliers at pick them against Florida State. Yeah, this is a tough one, Greg. This is a real interesting line. Obviously, this is kind of wild because we would probably see it normally flipped with that little five next to UVA and right. the seventeen and two record next to UVA and thirteen and six. However, that's not the case, and FSU is sitting at seventeen and two, number five, and playing great basketball. There's still something about Virginia that holds you on to them and has faith in them. You know, like you said, they pull out a close game at Wake Forest, but they don't cover the spread. And then this line is also a little weird because last week, or excuse me, about almost two weeks ago now, this Virginia team lost at Florida State by only four points and covered the spread. So now it's a pick It's a very, very weird game and a weird line. FSU has been winning their games, but they haven't covered their past three. Like you said, they just skate past Notre Dame, skate past Miami, skate past Virginia, you know, even go all the way back. They did cover against Wake Forest, but, you know, they only won by 10 when the spread was eight. So it's not like they won by 20. Um it's a very interesting game. I gave Virginia a real hard look. I ultimately decided to pass on this game because I just, I really just could not, I, I almost just couldn't make up my mind of where it was going. So I, I had to ultimately pass, but it's a very interesting game. And I'll be tuned in for sure, 7 p.m. on ESPN to I do want to watch this game. That I got this at plus one now that I look at my bets again. I'm seeing pick them mostly, but obviously it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, I'll take it if it lands one though for Florida State for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that playing a factor, Greg. But it's a really interesting game. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. I just ultimately could not lay down a bet on this game, and it's funny because I really tried to. I looked at a lot of angles, but I just had to ultimately stay away from this game, Greg. I get it. No, uh, go ahead and uh, take me to a game that you did not stay away from. Yes, yeah, so. This game that I didn't stay away from, I'm really riding with some trends here. I gave this out early this morning on Twitter. Central Michigan and Miami, Ohio, under 156. The line has now since moved down to 153, so some positive line movement there. That's always nice to see. Central Michigan is 5-0 and to the under the last five. And, Greg, their tempo is just really slow and I really think that they're going to really control this game here. And I think that it's going to be a close game. Obviously, as the spread indicates, a one-point spread. Close game, back and forth, hard fought. This game's not going over 156. I can promise you that. Well, okay, so I got to ask you because this is a lot, like, I feel a lot now the way you probably did when I was going through the Hornets and Knicks handicap. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have anything on Central Michigan and Miami, but you did say something interesting there that I want to ask you about. You talked about Central Michigan's pace and how it's slow, and therefore you think this game stays under. Is that Would that also be correlated, in your opinion, to the Central Michigan side, where if the game does stay under, you would like Central Michigan? Or is this total, because this is pretty high, is this just a total that you think is too high? It's a combination of both. I don't necessarily think that it's correlated to Central Michigan winning um, because we've seen Central Michigan on this little stretch. They've they've had lose two games while still going under uh, the total. You know, they lost against Buffalo and against Kent State. But nonetheless, I do see it somewhat correlated. But frankly, Greg, I, I just don't see both of these teams putting up 75 points in this game, and that would only be 150. So I'm sitting at 156. Like, I I think this total is about 10 points off. I really do. I I think somewhere like 74 to uh, 68 kind of game, something something like that where it's going to end around 140, 145 total. I I think we're really good at 156. I think it's going to be a snoozer. I really do. And, And the line movement indicating it as well. Nothing further from me. I want to move on, though, and I want to go to another line that just looks a little funky. And normally, when that's the case, you know, you want to think about 
you know, the less public side, so to speak. Um, and, and that is in the nation's capital, where we have the Georgetown Hoyas hosting the Butler Bulldogs. And we are seeing right now Georgetown is a one-point favorite. I booked this at Georgetown Pick'em. Georgetown, another team right now on the outside looking in, but they're not too far off from the NCAA tournament field. It's going to be a big next five, six weeks for Patrick Ewing and the boys. Uh, Similar handicap to what I had on Virginia. We all know that Butler is the better team, but still at Pick'em or even minus one for Georgetown, surely looks like that those unpopular, even unranked favorites over ranked teams that we talk so much about. Um, Georgetown does have home conference wins over St. John's and more impressively Creighton. So, you know, Creighton is a likely NCAA tournament team out of the big East. And I actually talked about this last week when we were discussing Providence and Seton hall and why I think we were both on Providence that game pushed at plus nine. Yeah, that was a uh, sh- that was a shame that game. I mean, they yeah, were that was, the whole that game was to push that was plus nine. The end. That was, um, but this league is deep, and I just think when you're talking about the teams at the top, and I don't have anything on Villanova, St. John's, I would lean to the Wildcats. Uh, but when you're talking about the teams at the top, this is not the old Big East, but I think it is going to be difficult as we get into February here. For these teams to continually win on the road. And that's why, you know, we've seen a Butler team that was undefeated. Uh, we've seen them slip up a little bit recently. Uh, they lost by 15 at Villanova and lost by 13 at DePaul. I just think eventually this conference is pretty good and things catch up to you. And that's why I think that happens again to Butler tonight. And I said, mine's a little funky, which also makes me lean to Georgetown and it's obviously a big resume-building win for Georgetown. So I like the Hoyas. Greg, this is a full consensus play. This is a max play for my VIP players. I didn't even give this out on Twitter, but if you are a fan of the pod, you're getting this max play for free. And because Greg's on it, I have to let everyone know that I'm on it. It's a consensus. And frankly, Butler hasn't been playing that great of basketball, Greg. One and four against the spread in their last five. Two and three straight up in their last five. Like you said, have some losses in there. Barely edged out Marquette at yeah, home. Yeah, they should have lost that. They really should have lost that. Let up 85 points. Now, we know Marquette plays those high-scoring games typically, but it's still 85 points to Marquette. They got lucky there. Like you said, they really should have lost that one. I understand Georgetown has been struggling as well, but there's a difference. Like you said, when you come in struggling at home, they have the chance to right the ship. They can pull off this big upset win against Butler at home and forget their loss at Xavier, forget their loss at Marquette, have a resume builder. Like you said, if Butler loses this game, Greg, they're in trouble, right? They were, they were, they were higher ranked. What were they ranked yeah. last week? I for, I forget, but they were definitely higher than 16. They, they were probably close to the top 10. Closer to the top 10 might have even been in the top 10, Greg. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, they had to have been. If they're 16 after losing three in a row, I, I, I think they were up in the top 10. Um, you know, so all the pressure is on them in this game. It really is. And I don't want to find myself with all the pressure on a road game. We spoke about home and road. I'll take Georgetown playing for a resume-building win at home with the momentum of the crowd behind them rather than a Butler team that might come in here a little scared, a little nervous, right? Because it's a very big game for them, and it's an important game. I mean, to be a top-10 team and then lose four out of five games and barely win the one game you win realistically should have lost, that's that's just just not good for like. They haven't been playing well, and sometimes you wonder with college kids, like, if that gets in their head a little bit too much and it becomes a longer extended slide. I mean, look at the Michigan Wolverines. They have completely fallen apart in Big Ten play after they started the year so well in the non-conference schedule. You know, sometimes you wonder if uh, the losing skids are a little harder to stop with college kids. And... The thing, like you said, is sometimes do teams peak early or 
Sure. Sometimes yeah. your teams outperform in the beginning. Are we now starting to see really what Butler is? Now, obviously, there's still a lot of season left. And they can turn around and still finish as a top 10 team. But it's yeah, just I been a I lot mean, of When they were one of the unbeatens, it was like, holy crap, like Butler's still undefeated and it's like almost Christmas or whenever it was. Yeah, so, you know, and now they're sitting at 16-4, and four, like we just spoke about. Lost three games in a row, you know. It's really tough for me to wrap my head around a great team losing three games in a row. Great teams do not lose three in a row. Lose one, sure. Two, maybe. Three, no, Greg. You don't lose three in a row and be a great team. So, Butler has now left the great team list for me, and I'm on Georgetown first half and full game here. I absolutely love the Hoyas at home. Yeah, I'll go ahead and add the first half as well. Full game for Max. Uh, I'm totally with you on the Georgetown Hoyas. I got one more college basketball pick, Matt. I do as well, so you take it away first, and then I'll go. Okay, I will take it away first. And I'm going to one of the more underrated games of the day. Uh, The line says it won't be that close. And no, I'm not running to take the dog because uh, maybe VCU is just going to swallow up up, uh, Richmond. Excuse me. But I'm very intrigued by this game in the Atlantic 10. Uh, these two schools are both in Richmond, Virginia, uh, six miles apart. Uh, and so I think you can see where I'm going with this big time rivalry in the Atlantic 10. We've talked a lot about colleges, uh, college rivalries, how we like to sometimes look unders there for, for these kids. It's arguably the biggest game of their basketball careers against their not just in state, but in town rival here. Uh, and I, I have in my notes a, a John Rothsteinism that I really love. A VCU home game at the Siegel Center, more life-altering than a 10-day trip to Europe. And <laughs> I, I, I do think that w- you think about what he's been getting at there is how loud and how good of a home court this has been for VCU. Going back a while now to when Shaka Smart was there, you think about the havoc, full-court press defense that they have uh, really just patented there. And so I I thought to myself, okay, well, there's this stigma around VCU home games, right? And Rothstein, my favorite college basketball insider and somebody that I think all of America knows if you're a college basketball fan, he coins this phrase about how tough it is to play in VCU. So I thought to myself, well, if it's so hard to play and if the crowd is so much of a factor and we know that they defend well, it probably is a good look to take unders in VCU games uh, at home. And sure enough, I looked at it and I saw that the under is eight and four in VCU home games this year. We get a rivalry game against Richmond. We know that the atmosphere at the Seagull Center is going to be popping. And we also have both teams on the bubble. So I think that also adds to the nervous tensions for both sides here. Not only is it a rivalry game, but we got both teams here kind of battling for an NCAA bid. And at 140, you know, I'm seeing this total at some shops, 139 and a half. I have to look to the under. I took it at 140 in Richmond and Virginia Commonwealth. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't hate it, Greg. I, I really don't. No opinion on this game, though. I haven't looked into it. Too many other games I had my eyes on, so I just passed this one. My last play on the college basketball hardwood, I guess it's maybe on the professional hardwood today, Madison Square Garden. The Villanova Wildcats, I booked them at minus two. Line has since moved up to minus three. Greg, I don't need to tell you anything else other than the Villanova Wildcats will win this game by more than a bucket. That's it. That's all you need to know. Book it minus two on the neutral site. They will win this game. Well, if this game, I mean, I guess you could call it neutral, but it's probably a home game for St. John's if it's at Madison Square Garden. Fans-wise, potentially but that's but that's still not a home game it's you know it's still not their stadium so yeah I mean I talked about this game earlier I do lean towards Villanova I think that they probably are the best team in the Big East it's obviously them or and I think they prove it today I think they really do Seton Hall's gonna I mean I mean excuse me not Seton Hall St. John's gonna give them a run for their money it's gonna be a close game it's gonna be a good game but in the end Villanova is the best team in this conference and they are emerging as one of the better teams 
in the NCAA, and this is when they really turn it yeah, on. They kind of always figure it out in late exactly. January, February. Jay White is, go- is going to steer the ship, and-, and this is a big game for them. This really is, like we just said, Butler having that little losing skid. Maybe they're going to lose again today to Georgetown. Villanova climbs up the ranks, they're number eight. This is a big game to them, and with the St. John's team, that, like we said, have played a lot of close games in this conference, but ultimately have not pulled many of them out. I mean, I understand two of their in-conference wins are against DePaul, but other than that, Greg, who have they been in conference? No one. They've only beaten DePaul twice in conference. Meanwhile, they've lost to Xavier. They lost to Georgetown. They lost to Providence. They lost to Seton Hall. They lost to Marquette. Now, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because – Every single one of those games, except for the Seton Hall game, was on the road. So we understand how hard it is to play on the road, especially in the Big East. I mean, the Big East is probably right, the second best conference in, in second best, if not the best in college basketball this year. The Big East or the Big Ten, I mean, take your pick. Top to bottom, you know, maybe not top heavy, but a full lineup of teams. I mean, Big East and Big Ten will probably both have eight teams in the tournament. But Villanova is the best in this conference, and they will prove why. And St. John's will do exactly what they've done against every single other team other than DePaul. They'll play a hard game or play a slightly competitive game. But in the end, Villanova is going to win this game. Yeah, you know, as I said, I lean with Villanova. I decided to stay off this for kind of some of the things you just said, right? Like, we've seen St. John's be nitty-gritty and scrappy. And normally, in games we think are going to be close, obviously, you'd rather I'd rather take points than lay points. Another thing, too, like, I'm looking at Villanova's schedule. Uh, and at St. John's, then over the weekend, they host Creighton. Then next week, they're at Butler. And then next weekend, February the 8th, they host Seton Hall. So... The, and then and then go a step further, Marquette after Seton Hall. Marquette's probably a tournament team. So pretty crazy stretch here for Villanova to end January and start February. As we've talked about, the Big East is a pretty good league. And I think somewhere along the way, the Wildcats are going to be get picked off. I just don't know when. So I did decide to pass this game. One last uh, play for – actually, no. I, that's it. Uh, the under in Richmond, Virginia was my last – college basketball play. Matt, I want to give out one NHL play and then a couple tennis plays. Uh, before I do, anything else that you're looking at uh, college basketball or do you want to lead us off in the NHL or, you know, any other spots? Yeah. Greg, I have my pick of the month. It's a new thing I'm doing, Greg. This year I am doing – one now, pick. Now hold on. Month. Let me ask: Are you saving this for the end of the month, like we're at now? No, I'm not. Um, it just so happened that it comes today, which it is close to the end of the month. I was close to not having a pick of the month for the month of January because if something doesn't classify as that, I'm not going to just throw that out there. However, this is a five-unit pick of the month. It's being sold on my card on Twitter. But if you are a loyal podcast listener, you will be getting this play for free, right? It is the Buffalo Sabres in regulation, <laughs> minus 120. I can't, that's literally exactly what I was about to give out. <laughs> Greg, that's great news. And, and as you guys can hear the laughter in Greg's voice, we truly did not plan this. I didn't even plan this to be a pick of the month. This was originally a max pick for me. And then I decided to make this a pick of the month. Craig, I'm not going to take away from all the explanation. I'm going to just give a little bit, and then I'm going to go sure. to you. But a few reasons why I like this. One, this is the Buffalo Sabres' first game out of the break. So we understand they haven't played since Saturday the 18th. Now, some people call it rust. Some people call it rest. I'm going to call it rust and rest. Obviously, I think there will be a little bit of rust, but these are still NHL players, and this is a solid middle-of-the-pack Buffalo Sabres team who is actually above average at home. And I don't think that other than maybe the first five to ten minutes will we see much rust, they'll shake it off. The Ottawa Senators are one of the worst, excuse me, they are the second worst, only to the Detroit Red Wings, 
team on the road. They only have five wins on the road. So, so let's explain that they're on the road today, obviously, because Buffalo's home. They're also playing a back-to-back, right? So out of the break. So I understand they're a little rested. So I'm not saying that they're going to be too tired here on the second leg of the back-to-back as they would usually because sure. this second leg of a back-to-back is obviously after a six- or seven-day break or whatnot. But still, nonetheless, they did play a professional hockey game last night while the Buffalo Sabres did not. So take into the fact that they are the second-worst road team in the NHL, right? They are on the second of a road or their second game of a back-to-back while the Sabres are totally fresh, haven't played. And the Sabres, like I said, they're a middle-of-the-pack team in the wildcard race right now, but they're actually one of the better home teams in the NHL sitting at 14-6-3, and right? Their home and road splits are not what they should be. If you look at all the other teams that are around the middle of the pack with them, most other teams' home and road splits are more comparable to the around 500 mark. The Sabres are 14-6-3 at home, 8-14-4 on the road. So the splits are massive for the Sabres as opposed to any other team hovering above a, a below or around 500 for the season, Greg. So those are just a few reasons why I like the Buffalo Sabres tonight at home in regulation to get it done. Yeah, I mean, you hit on it, uh, you know, you, you kind of, and I'll give you credit, you did kind of talk about some of the things I liked. There are a few other things that I want to touch on that you did not mention. Uh, I had the back-to-back for Ottawa, obviously, and Buffalo's strong home record. In addition, 11 of those 14 victories for Buffalo at home have been in regulation, so it's not like this is a team that's kind of getting lucky in shootouts a lot or, you know, playing a lot of or winning a lot of overtime games. Yeah, you're going to have them, but if you're telling me that 11 of the 14 home victories are in regulation, that that normally means in games like this against the lowly Senators, they're taking care of business. And, yeah, you know, another thing that I wrote down, I actually watched a lot of hockey last night with the NHL back. Uh, tried a little thought experiment. Unfortunately, it didn't work out um, with uh, first period unders. I took all six thinking there'd be some rust. Uh, and unfortunately, I went two and four. I would have been four and two. I had two games go over in the first period in the final 90 seconds of the period. That sucked. And th- this was one of them, actually. The Senators got a late first period goal. But nonetheless, um, I watched. Uh, I had the Devils on the full game money line against Ottawa. And I watched a lot of that game. And Gosh, the Devils really outplayed them. Devils had 53 shots in, uh, now it did go to overtime, but 53 shots in the game. And that's a Devils team that's 20th in the NF, in the NHL in shots on goal. So they got outplayed by New Jersey at home. Now they're playing a Buffalo team who's still not great, but better than New Jersey. And they're playing them on the road. Uh, definitely have to think the Sabres come out. And I'm also going to put a one unit on the puck line as well at plus money, plus 125. But agreement, this was a max play for me. Good minds think alike. Buffalo Sabres in regulation. Matt, I have a couple plays. Greg, I, just to get in a little, one more note on this game, right? You know, not that the Ottawa Senators were going to turn around their season, right? But is there any worse way to start the first game back from the break, losing a shootout at home. And, and they had traveling. the lead. up 3-2 with like eight minutes left. Up 3-2, eight minutes left, below the game, lose in a shootout in front of your home crowd. And oh yeah, now you turn around and you get on the bus and you're taking a bus to Buffalo. Give me a break. Give me the yeah, same. And, and when you're a bad team too, I think those kinds of losses take more out of you and are a little right, more They deflating. really do. I mean, they're so, minus 34 on the goal differential. That's pathetic. So, anyway, Matt, I have a couple Australian open plays which I want to give out here. Uh, I am looking to, and hey, this match actually is, I think, the first match of the, uh, I guess, evening here in America, day in Australia tomorrow. Uh, so you can watch this one on a pretty much normal time, seven o'clock Eastern. It should get started uh, in the evening. And I like Simona Halep, the uh, number four seed, the Romanian, over Annette Contavate. In the quarterfinals, this is Contivate's pretty young. She's only 24, and this is her first Grand Slam quarterfinal going up against a uh, 
former you know major champion Australian Open finalist in Simona Halep. Uh, Contevate has played a couple of three setters so far in this Australian Open. Halep has won every match in straight sets, uh, and she has won the French Open and Wimbledon. I mentioned that uh, she has been a finalist before in the Australian Open, lost in 2018 to Caroline Wozniacki. So I think that Halep is pretty motivated and uh, determined to add this Australian Open title to her uh, resume. And as I said, I think the moment gets a little big for Contivate. I played Halep on the game spread, minus four. And I also, obviously, I think a lot of times in tennis, this stuff can be correlated to the total. I played it under 21 and a half games as well. I think we're going to see a pretty straightforward Simona Halep win. Call it 6-3, I think Contivate really goes away at the end, knowing who she's up against. Um, are you on anything on Australian Open, Matt, before I get to one last tennis play? Uh, Greg, no, I'm going to be honest. I have really not um, kept up with the Open much this this year. And I, I, I really can't tell you why, honestly. I've been very involved heavily in the college basketball and the NBA hardwood over the past couple weeks. And I've had, I found very great success there. So I've just been sticking with it. And I really have not turned my focus to the Australian Open yet. So really tough for me just to dive in when I haven't truly been playing the tournament. I've been following. I've been watching a little bit. But the basketball has really been taking my eyes. And I've just had great success there. So I haven't fixed what's not broken. But I I will be for sure tailing your tennis plays tonight. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, Halep minus four. Under 21 and a half in that match. And then lastly, I do like Stan Vavrinka at plus 120. I know he did just play a five-setter. And Alexander Zverev, the young German, has been playing well. Uh, But I like Stan here because we have not seen Alexander Zverev. uh, He's been a tough guy to trust in majors. Uh, Normally, he is out before the quarterfinals. But now we get a veteran warrior in Stan Wawrinka, who is starting to look more and more like the Stan Wawrinka that won this tournament back in 2014. He's won every major except Wimbledon, uh, and he just came from two sets to one down to beat Daniil Medvedev, the number four seed. Prior to that, he had a quick retirement from John Isner. He only had to play less. He didn't even have to play uh, the full three sets. Even Isner retired after the second set. So um, that makes me concerned a little bit less over Stan's time on court. Uh, And and I think obviously, uh, as I said, Zverev, uh, yes, he's been playing better, but this is a huge step up for him. If you look at who he's played, this is only the second seeded player in the draw that he's had to play. The other one was Andre Rublev, who is a similar young player. Zverev's 22 years old. Rublev also 22 from Russia. So a lot more experience from Stan in these kinds of matches makes me like him, and I'm getting him at plus money. Stan Wawrinka plus 120 is my final play of the day. Yeah, Greg, like I said, no pushback for me. Haven't really been on the Australian Open. Wish you the best of luck on the Australian Open plays and the rest of your plays and specifically our consensus plays of Georgetown first half, Georgetown full game, and the Buffalo Sabres in regulation. I believe those are our three consensus plays. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, Greg, love to have some agreement specifically two out of the three max plays tonight you gotta love that that we're on the same page there especially with the buffalo sabers which is my five unit pick of the month greg i'm really excited for tonight's puck drop matt always good to talk with you we'll certainly talk later in the week when we dive deeply into the super bowl can't wait greg all righty everybody Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Hope you tail our picks. And, of course, please play responsibly.